0: March 6th, 2021. It's a watch for Pedro's show. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro, show happy Saturday. Is it the first Saturday of March? Maybe. Maybe yes, not. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> ah, people, you can tell that I'm not totally man alone. Brother Matt, he's still the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple of mile, miles south here because we're still in quite quarantino mode. But those, because of those genius engineers of software in Estonia with their SCAP invention, I got with me uh, Steve Almas. Welcome, boy, Steve.
1: Uh, I guess it's good morning. Good morning, Mike.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah. There's a time difference. Are you are you talking to me from Minneapolis?
1: No, I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Oyster Bay, Long Island today, as it happens. So,
0: so you're another hour. East. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oyster Bay. So, fuck. That's the home of the blue oyster cult.
1: It could well be. I know they're from Long Island. It's the home of uh, Theodore Roosevelt. I know that for sure. But yes, uh, I believe the uh, soft white underbelly originated somewhere out here on Long Island.
0: They're actually called the Stock Forest Group also.
1: Oh, touche. Yeah.
2: I mean, there's many
0: different versions. There's many different versions of I'm on the lamb, but I ain't no sheep. In fact, because I got to be buddies with the Bouchard brothers. The huh. and uh yeah, the, the title of that tune was actually first. I'm peeping through your files. So, I mean, they went through a lot of trips. They ended up at the S-U-N-Y Stony Brook, though. And in fact, there's another Strong Island guy, Rakim. He wanted to be a quarterback there, but was maybe not a little enough large in, in stature, not in fucking capacity of the mind, because that guy's a <laughs> fucking rap. Anyway, I should tell the listeners that we started off the show with If I Were a Bell, which is live at the Plaza Hotel 1958, John Coltrane with Miles Davis. In fact, Coltrane there is resting in Pine Lawn. I, When I turned 40 years old, I took the lo- Long Island Railroad underneath uh, Penn Station. Uh, no, Madison Square Garden. It's called Penn Station. Huh? It ain't the original, but they tore that down. So I took this out to the Pine lots. stop in the graveyards right there. It's near Dick's Hills was, was the last, I think the the pad is still there where he wrote love Supreme. They're trying to save it. Also the Philly house I heard's in trouble. So people, if you can, but anyway, because you know, we lost him when he turned 40. So when I was 40, I thought I'd go there and I had to go twice. Cause you can't just find some dude <laughs> unless you're really lucky with thousands in a bone yard. So, then I found it, and it was one of those 2 for graves. He had a place ready for Alice. And anyway, I was thinking, of, were you thinking of that when you were recording, Mr. Coltrane, were you thinking of the next hit? Like, he didn't tell me, but
3: <laughs>
4: I me to think
0: about it. Right? Then, then after uh, this uh, tune with Miles Davis, we heard, uh, I Need a Torch from the Suicide Commanders.
1: Oh, Jeans, Mike, you're playing me right after John Coltrane. That's you That's deserve cool. it. In fact, this is the first
0: uh, Suicide Commandos I heard, and you know this. This is. Well, l- let's talk about your music journey. What's your, your uh, Steve? Please tell me your
1: earliest music memory. Well, I'll tell you. My earliest music memory was my first grade teacher. Her name was uh, Mrs. Winslow, and her son Dal was in the Trashman. And I happened to be in first grade when Surfing Bird was a hit. So that was kind of my, for pop music anyway, you know, that was kind of my first ding, ding, ding moment. I re- she, would, uh, she would wear this Trashman sweatshirt when we went on field trips. And I remember that kind of, you know, just sticking in my head. And where was it? And this was in Minneapolis, well, in the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota, in, uh, in the Hopkins School District, out to the west of Minneapolis.
0: West of Minneapolis, I've been to a town called Montrose.
1: Montrose, I'm not familiar with. Well, a real
0: tiny town, but it's where Eden was. Uh, uh, David Eden built my bass amps, huh? So I would go out there, maybe 30 miles west or something. Anyway, uh, in the pad you grew up, was there musical instruments?
1: Yes. uh, My mother played the piano, and she made sure all the kids... She gave the kids piano lessons at first, and then uh, my dad, who was Norwegian, he came to the United States as an adult. He was 23 when he came to the United States. Was a uh, a folk mu- music enthusiast, and he strummed an acoustic guitar. Uh, he really liked folk music and country music, and you know his country tastes were every everything from Eddie Arnold to Johnny Cash. You know. It- he liked some of the good stuff and he liked some of the real country politan stuff as well. And, uh, but we ended up bonding, you know, at around 13 years when I was around 13, 14 years old, uh, over that nitty gritty dirt band. will the circle be unbroken record? He brought that home and I just thought it was really cool.
0: So there was an acoustic guitar and a piano. mm -hmm. Now how, I mean, we've had people on the show and they've had total fucking nightmares with the, piano lesson syndrome or whatever i guess it depends on the teacher what was your experience
1: well i didn't stay with the piano too long but i did i liked it okay i mean i you know i to finish my earliest i'm one of those kids that saw the beatles on ed sullivan when they were tiny and that like the world was one way the day before and the world was another way the day after and i just wanted to be that after that and so I wanted, you know, I wanted an electric guitar and to be in a group. And it took me a good five years to start making that happen after I, you know, it was I played the violin and, uh, you know, finally, when I was around 12, I got a guitar and when I was around 13, I I got an electric bass so I, you know, became the bass player because that was the electric instrument I got.
0: It trips me out how how people say that. Yeah, I wanted to get into rock and roll, so fuck the piano. When if you look at the actual facts, rock and roll is a piano instrument. The guitar comes later.
1: Europe, yeah, but you're whatever.
0: Right. Perception's nine tenths of the law, so I ain't going to fucking fight it. Well,
1: I remember I would have been fine, you know, being the organ player on ninety six Tears or uh, one of those Buckingham's records or something. You know, uh, that <laughs> that would have been fine with me if I if I could have got my hands on a Vox Continental. I would have been I would have been cool with that too.
0: Well, there was a Minnesota guy who wanted to be Little Richard, Mister Bob Dylan, right? I mean. And Jerry Lee Lewis, I mean, they're rocking the piano like crazy. Even Chuck Berry's songs was written by his piano player.
1: Yeah. The music. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Johnson.
0: Yeah. I I was going to say not maybe the words because Chuck had a pretty good, uh, talent with that. He explained about, you know, when you make rock and roll lyrics, you want shit people can relate to. So yeah, you, you mentioned their town, especially when you're on tour. Right. Okay. Uh, let me ask you about school. Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that?
1: Well, I was in, I was in the choir and I was in the orchestra. And when you, the orchestra was um, not a happy place because, you know, they'd have the orchestra and they'd have the band and, you know, we'd have these school concerts and the band would come out and they would like, you know, they'd play like something by the Tijuana brass and it'd sound pretty good. Or they would play the theme to Hogan's heroes or something like that. And, People would really love it. And then, you know, the orchestra would come out and we'd, like, struggle through the overture to the marriage of Figaro or something. And, you know, it's hard. It's a lot harder to sound good. And it would always suck. So I was a little bit miserable being in the orchestra in those years. And this was your violin days. Yes, yes.
0: Okay, Okay. you didn't stick with violin.
1: I didn't, but, you know, it's funny. I've been practicing the piano, and I'm about to pick up the fiddle again, too. I'm going to try to... I wasn't very good but I could play in tune. Okay. So maybe I can maybe I can take it from there We're and talking, uh, talking make some about out the bass
0: talking about the bass in the yeah. orchestra yeah. It's actually a giant violin without a chin thing.
1: That's right.
0: Except for a big difference. They both got four strings, but what's the difference between those strings?
1: Uh, backwards.
0: Well, the intervals too. It, the violin's fifths and the bass is force now what kind of bass did you get i'm cur- I'm a little biased towards bass
1: well I remember the one that you know the first one I got was just purely because it was an electric instrument and I believe it was a DECA bass which I honestly I don't know anything about
0: but I don't, uh, don't
1: need to it's okay what about your first bass amp? oh i Had this, my dad took me to the music store. He, when I was fourteen, for a confirmation present, he bought me a brand new Telecaster bass, a nineteen seventy Telecaster bass. And then he took me to the music store and he bought me this big giant. It was called a Jordan amplifier, Jordan solid state solid state amplifier. Um, it was a great story with that. I was rehearsing with that. And you remember those power booster boxes, like the Mole? Did you ever have one of those? Uh,
0: no, but I know they plugged right in your guitar. But what did you play the Decca through?
1: The Decca. I was probably, I think I was borrowing the older brother band's Sun amp to use that. I didn't have my own amp yet.
0: John Atwistle plates sun, sun Coliseum. So- Look, I want to play another Suicide Commando song. Try again.
5: bozos with a secret wrench, overpaid groaning teat-pants pissers, 42,000 boxes all darkened to each other, with more left hands than rights all jerking it, it'd falter and waste on speeding flatbeds, never mind flying blind into outer space, festering grommets purportedly held intact over triple speed of sound which would unravel so much faster than prickly hot Texas twisters. From mountain men to hot sun belters, every sleeping brain gets blistered. It's past time to chew through tethers as our misery strains over miss or mister. Sheltered selves smell all sweltered, screaming at other selves, unguessed at. Best ignore that box of crayons. Maybe it'll worsen before it betters. Uh Uh-oh. Hard to tell if it's heaven or hell. Shards done fell as prides was swelled. Your hordes of hell heave one dirty bill. Beaten off the back of dark beetle shells. We wear it so well. So, we're only partly past Eden. Most are left by the side of the road leaving nothing to feed on, slipping heads what none have known, that wet dirt will waken when seeded, magic land feeding the Thunderdome, but far fewer give shits or have succeeded. None need nothing but all want weeding, nurturing bones and dead beats on their own, on their own. What deserts of apathy are the lack of their feeding? You know, it's never too late to find your way home.
6: saw you The day I realized
7: I was
6: in love With you I would not have
4: Good morning.
0: Not for Pedro, so that chunk of music, we started off try again from Suicide Commanders. And uh, Richard Held sent me, he found the master tapes to his second album, Destiny Street, and mixed the thing. And he sent it to me, and beautiful, signed it and all this. My first, uh, talk about bass players, right? My first punk rock hero was a bass player. And he actually led the band, which blew my mind. Because so I thought bass is where you put your retarded friend. <laughs> you know, like right field in Little League, right? And Fun Hunt, the demo. Uh, Barry Burko band after that with Visual Suite 2, second try from his big piece. Dale Crover, I can't help you there. That's just, uh, the drummer of the Melvin solo Rick, Chris Groger from Austin with Ark of the Welder, poem. The last, the last second album, Difference. He just flowed me. Network glass. I'll with one B. Incredible stuff. Bombers is Nearby DC area. The U inside. Hands rotten from Sweden. No. Switzerland. Get it together, Watt.
5: <laughs> Dissident
0: try number two. <laughs> I mean, two of those letters are similar, but Jesus Christ. Dissident try number two. The entrance from deep in the woods, 66. Out of Dublin. And then Quarantina, part five, New Moon. This is from from, uh, Joe uh, Cardamone's uh, piece on the situation these days. John Wayne with Shades. I just found out we lost this cat eight or nine years ago. I didn't know. The man behind, I think his name is David Vought. And finally, Beat uh, Rodeo with She's More. Before we get to Beat Rodeo, I got to know how. Well, after school, you know. In the afternoon, did you do the basement uh, garage bedroom band thing? Yes. Okay. And did this lead to suicide commandos or did suicide commandos come because of the movement?
1: No, you know, we, the nicest thing anybody ever said about the suicide commandos that I, I love repeating this. Um, this guy goes, you know, you guys were punk when you could own all the punk records because there were so few of them. Right. And we, the suicide commandos started because I met the other two guys, Chris Osgood and Dave all who were, you know, two years older than me. And at that age, that was a difference. Right. And, right. right. Big um, sure. you know, Chris was writing songs when we got together already. And Dave had been to England and brought back John Cale and Roxy music. And, pub rock records, Dr. Feelgood and Ducks Deluxe and all that kind of stuff. And when we started playing, you know, I had the Nuggets record and we were learning, you know, enough songs to play four set of night bar gigs. And, uh, so that was, we first got noticed for, you know, our choice of cover tunes, which was that kind of stuff. And, uh, we basically started, um, writing our own, I started writing my own songs because I was, saw Chris doing it and I thought it was really cool. And then the other just totally random thing, I moved down into Minneapolis into the basement of this house of a school teacher whose daughter had run off to New York with Johnny thunders. And by this time, by the time I started living in her mom's house, she was living with Tommy Ramone, which she did for the rest of Tommy's life, Claudia. And, uh, Claudia was sending her mom like all these pictures and cassette tapes and stuff of what's going on at CBGBs and Max's, and we're also seeing that stuff in Rock Scene magazine. And so we just called up CBGBs and asked them if we could come out there and play. And this was like in May of 1976. So we are driving out there, and we just—I think mean, we had the Ramones album that had come out. And we loved them. And we had that. I remember that, that Modern Lovers record on Berserkly. We had that. And that's kind of what I remember of, you know, punk then. And we were very curious about what was going on in New York because, you know, we're hearing about television and Patti Smith and all that stuff. So we kind of just snuck in on the ground floor of that in a way. Well, what about in between Minneapolis and New York, this town, Cleveland? We. Because, met.
0: Yeah, the Perubu Cats, right?
1: Yeah, we met them in 76. And I try. They might have invited us to come out and play. I can't remember for sure what the fur And I think. I can't remember if we met them through the filmmaker Chuck Statler or we met Chuck Statler through them. But there was some. There was a connection there, too. Chuck was in Akron. And. Uh, but yeah, we got to Cleveland and they were living in Cleveland Heights and there was this really cool record store, the Disco Drome there. And, uh, you know, they they were just very good to us. They, you know, let us stay in their houses. Somebody stayed at Crocus's mom's house. You know, it was like, it was great.
0: Yeah, and, I know that's where he lived was in uh, Cleveland uh, Heights. Uh, but did you know Peter Lochner?
1: He had just died. I remember David kind of telling me about him, but he was gone. So that probably puts at one of those trips I remember just David telling me about him and he had died. Now you cats both had records on
0: blank, a brand new label at
1: the time. Yes. So you were label mates. Did you end up doing
0: gigs together?
1: We did a we did a like a national tour together. (laughs) Yes. It was uh, it was uh, another just great night of my life was we we played a couple of nights at Seabees with them. And uh, John Belushi came to the one of his shows. He invited me to come sit at his table and watch Perubu. So I sat with him and watched Perubu. And he which he just found David hilarious. I mean, he loved it, you know, but it was a it was really fun. That guy was just laughing all the time. (laughs) did you guys come out west we did in 78 Um, no but with that tour I'm thinking no no yeah
0: that's what I thought because when I saw Perubu well all all three of us Minutemen did at the whiskey it Mm -hmm. it, it was was, you guys weren't with him no
1: that would have been a little bit later
0: but Tony still had the big fro it was like yeah, yeah it was like a sphere (laughs) <laughs> remember Georgie the Minuteman drummer had one of those they were big in the 70s those <laughs> spheres <laughs> <laughs> look it's at the end of the uh, March 6th 2021 first hour WAP Peter show special guest Steve Almas hold tight for hour two <laughs> <laughs> March 6 2021 the second hour of the lot for Pedro show.
6: strange So then ten But looking at your smile, I guess that I was wrong to think You loved me for a while, don't expect to be King God I know that wouldn't work, run too far the other way I feel like such a jerk
7: Just when I thought, when I thought I couldn't ask for more
0: From Pedro Show, we start off the second hour with Steve Almost it. What's the Matter? Maurice Mitchell from Ben Salter after that. Sam Locke Ward, Ben's in Tasmania. Sam Locke Ward in Iowa City, Lie to Me. Sleep Party People, don't know where they're from, but third drawer down. Good title. Dix Rom Weber t- Duo. Of course, just like Flat Duo Jets Duo, right? And he's an incredible yep. cat, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Love him. We'll be together again. He lost his sister. She was yeah, the drum, drum, know, she drummer played, lady.
1: Yeah, you know, she played my good friend Mitch Easter.
0: Right, right. Let's Active? Yeah. Yeah. Terrible loss. Fuck cancer. Marty F.F. from Poland with Lost It All. And finally, who is this? The Crackers. I can't believe this. I remember playing with a band, Cracker, but they were the what was left of Camper Van
1: Vape. Vy- Home, it? Yeah, this was that was a band that I had for a minute between when I you know what I moved to New York with them and uh, it didn't last very long and uh, was you know it was kind of a new wave post punk band I guess you could say. Well,
0: you know, let's take it up from what happened with the Suicide Commanders.
1: Well, you know, we were we were the top dogs in Minneapolis probably, you know, by the late, late 1977, early 1978. And then we kind of just, I think we just, I want, we've been going out to New York to play. I wanted to move to New York. The other two guys didn't really. Um, another band, the suburbs came along and kind of dethroned us as the top band in Minneapolis. I was not crazy about that. Um I just <laughs> didn't see it moving forward, so I split.
0: Okay, so in the band, you lose the bass player, the band falls apart, right?
1: Well, that was a real band in that way that, you know, the suicide for it to be the suicide commandos, it had to be the three of us cuz Chris and Dave have kept playing together all these years in different incarnations, but That's right. it's, it's only the Suicide Commandos when it's the three of us.
0: No, I totally believe in that. That's why it's called a band.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean some bands some bands can change members, but you know, some can't, and that one definitely couldn't. Yeah, but <laughs> even if they change members, I think
0: some of them cats have to start, unless, okay Fleetwood Mac, that changed the band when it changed the members, but a lot of times you got the guys just wearing different Halloween costumes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right from the original baby, right? Look, kind of like the real thing, you know. But but anyway, uh, well, you know, last hour I played Blue Rodeo. Up, uh, Blue Rodeo. That was a Canadian guy's right. Beat Radio, Rodeo, Beat Beat Rodeo. And, and where was that?
1: Was that after Crackers? Yeah, that okay. was a. That was a band I put together. So I got the and, cr-
0: chronology fucked up as usual. Sorry, Steve.
1: Oh, no, worries, no worries. It's uh, yeah, Beat Rodeo. After the Crackers broke up, I briefly uh, I got the guys from this Denver band, the Johnny Three, to come out to New York, and we had a version of the Johnny Three with me on bass for not even six months, but we did go out and play. We played the good places in New York and we went out and played in the Midwest and stuff, but New York wasn't, you know, Kenny Vaughn, he's the lead guitar player in the Marty Stewart and the fabulous superlatives now. And in my opinion, the best country band in America. And uh, they, they came and went and then I kind of filled in on rhythm guitar with the bongos and, I loved playing with the bongos.
0: bongos. Did that have fucking Billy Fika on drums?
1: No, that was a waitress's. Oh, okay. In Washington yeah. Squares. Washington Squares. They were, around, same same time, the the bongos was Richard Barone's band.
0: That's right, that's right. God, my fucking memory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But I, at
0: least I was in the right era.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're right there, same era, same time, everything. And and I loved playing with them, but there was no room for my songwriting in that band. It's, Richard helped me. We, He and I went down to Mitch Easter's drive-in studio, and he helped me make this EP, which was basically Mitch on guitar and drums, me on bass, and Richard on guitar and vocals with me. And I called that EP Beat Rodeo, and then after that I put together a group with the name Beat Rodeo with guys I met in New York.
0: Okay. I want to play something with your own fucking name here. Okay. <laughs> it's all in a day, huh? Although we we did play what what's it matter? <laughs> but we'll get into that. That chunk of music started off and it's all in a day. Steve Almas. uh, My buddy uh, Nez lives in Okaido. He's an Irish cat. He moved to Okaido like 12 years ago and he sent me a bunch of music. What's happening there right now. Sapporo. He lives in the big town. So I played uh, Desert with NW. The Hatch with Phantom Poop. Car Thief School of Drama. Genesis of Hummin from Meat Cop. Ill Peace Hymn. From slang and finally destroyer banglang, so that's what on your hardcore scene right now in Sapporo, and finally uh, your life to live from Steve Almas. So yeah, when did you start using your own name?
1: Well, after uh, after Beat Rodeo broke up, uh, Steve Fallon, who had Coyote Records, he he owned the Club Maxwell's out in Hoboken. Uh, he. Um, Gave me the money to make a solo record. And uh, this record...
0: He he, he ended up uh, bar none,
1: right? Because he was on the show a few months ago. I don't Bar none was uh Glenn uh, That's
0: right, that's right. He knew that
1: Glenn guy. Morrow, but that was another that was another yeah, Hobo Yeah, I,
0: can, yeah that's that right. Another no. can be, oh. <laughs> but he knew him. He knew him. Yeah, and there was sure, Todd uh I actually Ivor Kaplan was a sound man and booked stuff there and then Todd Abramson and Yeah yeah, God, it all gets <laughs> my memory. Anyway, go on, I'm sorry for
1: interrupting. No worries. Um he uh so he put up the money for this record then Coyote Records uh imploded and he placed the record with Rough Trade America. That was going to come out on Rough Trade America. Rough Trade America imploded. So, I had this record in the can, you know, two labels had gone down before it came out and uh I had gotten a version of Beat Rodeo back together and we were just playing for fun on Monday nights down on Ludlow Street in this little Ludlow Street cafe and I walked out during a break one day and this Swedish guy came up to me and he, and he asked me what I was doing, you know, musically and stuff. And I said, Well, I got this solo album in the can. He goes, Well, I would love to hear it. And if I like it, I'll put it out. And he, he did. He put it out in like 1992. Uh, the record was called East River Blues under my name. Did you meet a guy on the street? <laughs> yeah. And can I put out your album? And uh, 30 years later, he's still putting out records for me. I mean, what's the chances of something like that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, no, he was there to see the gig. So he was there to see. Oh, know, okay. I mean, so was it wasn't totally random. It wasn't totally random, no. But still, it was pretty random.
0: Okay, um, okay. And what made you say, hey, I'm not going to use band names anymore?
1: I guess it just wasn't a band.
0: I mean, it was, you know, good
1: point. it was just that, you know, I got all my friends to help me on it. And a a lot of records I've made under my own name, I'd love to have bands with those people that play. I'd love to have a band with the people that play on my new record. But, you know, I got to win the lotto first before that's (laughs) going to happen.
0: Because you wanted to let people to know who to blame. (laughs) that's why my projects where you if you'll see my name in it it's because i'm like the shot caller so i want people to know who to blame if it's got a name that means i'm part of some kind of collab or something but the other one is like no it was his fault
1: (laughs) well i mean i guess the you know the songwriting is really what's kept me going in music you know i i it's always a blessing to me when like You know, a song drops down from somewhere, and I put it, write it down, and uh, so, you know, most of my solo records, except for the two I did with Ali Smith, are are kind of just—they're an excuse to record the songs, really. And uh, oh no,
0: I think it's fucking happening. We used to think fucking records were flyers for gigs. Uh huh. They were. (laughs) They were.
1: (laughs) <laughs> but they also
0: are documents too now that we're less younger. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. March 6, 2021 edition Wat Pedro Show. Special guest Steve Almas. Hold tight for hour three. March 6, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show. <laughs>
4: punk rock soul Headed for where Only your head could go Tiny transistor gestation all night show you were getting word from the other side From angel ancestors and sacred suicides Spirit voices sang to you and made you cry You told me you'd be with them soon All you'd have to do was die Tiny transistor radio French jazz station all night show A bebop soundtrack For your restless punk rock soul Transistor Radio French gestation. insomnia as you did another line On a 24 hour clock but running out of time Zooming through to dawn Crashing through all warning signs My thoughts me whispers Against your brilliant howling mind Any transistor radio French jazz station all night show The up soundtrack for your restless punk rock soul Sister radio French gestation home. Oh. Some ungodly hour I admitted defeat You said just go then And you took to the street To walk Montmartre at 5am Driven by your own
3: beats
4: Parisian early birds Sang for the man who wouldn't In heart, you had a radio tuned to the secret jazz of the mystery show, blackout soundtrack for your restless punk rock soul. In your heart, you had radio Tune to the secret jazz of the mystery show
0: Pedro, shall we start off the third hour? Well, off-air, people, i got to hear a righteous story about Brother Steve and his parents. Got to be careful. <laughs> but uh, we start second hour with the East River Blues and the tangent that, that led us to. Uh, Crane with Dave or Shacky after that my home. Kevin Hewick with French Jazz Station. Mike Cooper with Notes from My Pacific Log. And finally, Cigarettes, Coffee, or You, from Steve Almas. Okay, so, uh,
1: yeah. Cigarettes, Cigarettes, Coffee, or You, I got a little story about that song. Bring it, bring it. It's the only time this has happened to me in my life. I, uh, right, like, uh, you know, the months coming up to when I was getting ready to record this record, I, Suicide Commandos had a reunion gig out in Minneapolis and uh I live in New York and I was uh I was on the plane to go out to Minneapolis and for the first time and I don't remember when I got a row of seats to myself and I laid down and promptly fell asleep and I woke up like about 40 minutes later and I the the in- entire lyrics to that song were in my head and I just woke up I had' an- my ipad there and I just woke up and I wrote them down just and I laid down and I went back to sleep and I woke up a little bit later and there's another song on my record called the one thing that I cannot do and the lyrics were just in my head and I wrote them down and boom that was Pretty much it on on a three hour plane ride, two full sets of lyrics just popped out of nowhere and down onto the page. Yeah. You know, God, whoa, that that would happen more often. (laughs) Do you usually write words first? No, I think not. I mean, it comes all different ways, but definitely not usually like often. I've got a tune before I have words.
0: Well, let's talk about this new record, this record that's coming out. Coming out. Uh, when did, when did you
1: start getting it ready for it? Well, it's about a year late for two reasons. Uh, the, the distributor in, in Sweden is a company called border music and they got bought by a distributor in the States called uh, red eye. And, uh, then, you know, last year, just about the time we would have started getting ready for it to come out, uh, the pandemic hit. So um, things got, got to, po- postponed. But I'm talking about before that
0: stuff. I'm talking about getting ready, like writing the songs and stuff. Oh, what OK. Your, yeah. Well,
1: I make my living as a public school teacher. So, you know, that's a job that'll take up a good portion of your times. But, you know, you do have summers off and you got... Uh, you know, three good vacations during the year. And so I tinker around with the music whenever I can, you know, in in my free time. And it, it probably uh the last solo record I made was in two came out in two thousand twelve. I then I made I wrote songs for a Suicide Commandos record that came out in two thousand seventeen. And then What what was so, it like? Uh, can I ask stop you right there and
0: ask you what's it like to go back to something that's forty years?
1: <laughs> well it was you know, it was funny. It was, uh, there was a fair amount of disequilibrium in the creative process, I would say, but it all, it was all for the good of the project. And, you know, ultimately. And I think it was good because that record is in no way like an attempt to sound like what we sounded like 40 years ago. It doesn't. And we don't, but it, you know, it is the same three guys. Yeah, but that it,
0: that could be interesting, right? Like, like life is a voyage.
1: It's definitely you know where we were at then, and uh, that worked out well. Like, the idea for it came when you know Tommy Ramone died, and we were, the three of us were talking, we we're saying, man, you know, none of the all the original Ramones are gone, yeah. and yeah. and I said something about you know we should. We should do another record while we're all still here. Yeah. And so we did, you know, and just just because we could. And uh, yeah, I think that's
0: important. You know, that's kind of an existential. I mean, Mr. Heidegger, he's a fucking Nazi, but he did say we should spend maybe a little more time in graveyards because
1: this idea we're going to live forever is fucking not real. Oh, don't uh, don't the Buddhists say you're supposed to wake up every morning and the first thing you're supposed to say to yourself is, I'm going to die. Okay, Okay. yeah. Note to self. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I want to play the way I treated you.
6: Who usually dwells on my life's past mistakes? I've made a few, and I've always saw myself as one who gives more than he takes. What can you do? But now, looking back and thinking about the times I may have made a mess or two, I tell myself I've gone this far with very few regrets. The only real regret I have is the way I treated you I wonder now if you look back at me And if you do, what do you think? At a party I would talk and laugh and flirt With any girl who likes a drink So afraid to be alone for just a minute That I wasn't straight with you I broke your car, I drank your glass, I smoked your cigarette, but the only real regret I have is the way I treated you, the way I treated you, wasn't good, wasn't right, just the way for a lonely coward boy to get his sorry ass through the night, and that ain't right. Ain't right. From friends of friends of friends I hear, the word comes down that you're doing alright. And it's funny after all these years to find myself here thinking late at night. And though I'm sure it's for the best, that you moved on, I wonder why it is. Although I've gone this far in life with very few regrets The only real regret I have The only thing keeps me up at night The only thing I'd like to change is the way I treated you The only thing I'd like to change is the way I treated you
0: Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Steve Almas with The Way I Treated You. Then what wizard sleeve. Not Steve, but sleeve. <laughs> with high bugs. <laughs> I thought it'd go good. Country Phaser after that. I thought this would go good, too. Uh, because it seems, uh, yeah, you, you the beat roadie. You might might and your father, right, with the country. There there, there might be some, ha- well, music's music. So, to me, it's all happening. Xenachronic AMM All-Stars, Water on Bass, Country Faves. Ame no Mihashira from the Yakumo Koto Society, Rishiki no Mia. And finally, Steve Almas, Everywhere You've Been.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that tune tune is my, that was kind of my attempt to write a Roger Miller song. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, well... And he had some You mean
1: like King of the Road kind of thing? Well, just you know how he would have these songs where the words just kind of are—they sound—they're just like sound like they're tumbling out, right? You know, like, he, like they're just like tumbling out of his mouth, and that's what I was going for. I mean, and that, and that and that's the sense that I when I mean like a Roger Miller song, because I, I like think to like I wanted like the words to just kind of sound like they're tumbling out of my mouth.
0: It don't sound it's, f- forced. It's got a real flow.
1: So, um, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Because, uh, well, who played with you on this record?
1: Oh, I got some good guys. Uh, uh, on drums is actually uh, my future son-in-law. His name's TJ Miani. He he's like a he's like a session caddy. He, he plays with uh, Steve Gunn amongst a lot of other people, and he brought in. Uh, uh, I'm having a senior moment here. Tony Garnier, uh, Bob Dylan's musical director. He, he uh, Tony plays in uh, TJ's jazz trio, and he brought Tony in to play stand-up on three songs. Uh, an, an old compadre of mine, Mark Sidgwick, who was in Holly and the Italians among yeah, a bunch of other bands. Plays, uh, plays bass. Uh, John Graboff plays pedal steel and lead guitar, probably does the heavy lifting on guitar on that record. Uh, he played in Ryan Adams and the Cardinals and a bunch of other stuff too. And uh, Kenny Vaughn from Marty Stewart and the Fabulous Superlatives is on a couple of cuts. And uh, Rebecca Sogstad and Daria Grace do a lot of the background vocals. Rebecca is a big pop star in Norway. Um, and uh, Gary Luris from the Jayhawks sings harmony on a tune. So yeah, it's kind of, I got a lot of good people helping me out.
0: Okay. And where can people find you on the internet,
1: Steve? Well, right now, um, this was a little last minute news. Uh, The the release date for the album was yesterday, March 5th. And uh, it is available now for download at like all the places you download, you know. Is there a Steve Uh, Almas
0: website?
1: Yeah, and what's uh, what's the URL for that? Well, I guess the best place to find me is my Facebook page. I mean, there's no Steve Almas website. I I, I am remiss in my duty, Mike. Okay. Uh, website wise,
0: that's okay. That's okay. It's <laughs> like having but, your own uh, fancy. You'll get one one day.
1: We uh, <laughs> got news a couple days ago that the. The CDs and the vinyl are not going to be available in the U.S. until May 7th. It's available in Europe right now, but there's some, it's like Brexit or some something is messing up all the uh, international you know, shipping right now. You know now. what
0: Mr. Wells said? You know, he said, no wine before it's time.
1: <laughs> so uh, uh, download people. You'd be doing me a solid if you, I know, I know nobody has to buy music anymore, but if you, yeah, you'd be helping me out, make another one if you buy my record. So I, I hope Steve, people do. I want,
0: I want to thank you for being on the show. And when you get another record, will you come back on? Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for having me. Absolute brother. Keep on keeping on, right? Yeah. Lovely talking with you. Yeah. People. It's been the March 6th, 2021 edition. Wat Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.